Hey, welcome to the broadcast. Welcome What's going to on, guys? Current. So excited, man. Episode three, Judson. How stoked are you, man? We made I'm, it. I'm pretty stoked. We've uh, we've been working hard to get this thing going, keep it rolling, and uh, I think hopefully we're getting better at it, and uh, we're enjoying ourselves more. I know before the first show, we were pretty, pretty stressed out, but Billy's got this setup dialed. <laughs> yeah, man. Trying to get it dialed in as much as we can each week. Got a little different camera angle, so we're like trying to make sure we're looking at cameras and things like that. And dude, so episode three, uh, I think statistically, as far as shows and podcasts, if we can get to episode seven or get past episode seven, that's like the curve point where people are, you know, like, oh, these guys are real or whatever. So we're so totally excited about that. So welcome to the show, guys. I'm uh, My name is Billy Thorpe. This is Judson Brock. We're your host of Eastern Current. Uh, so excited that you're joining us tonight. Man, we had a, just a great lineup. I am so excited about our guests. It's the founders of, of Ice Strike Fishing. Just phenomenal products, phenomenal guys. Uh, spent, you know, just the last 15, 20 minutes chatting with them. Judson, you've known them for a while. So uh, we'll, get, we'll get those guys on in just a little bit. But just to do a couple of things while people are jumping on. So we got about 15 or so people on. Uh, just do us a quick favor and share this. Just hit the share button, send it to your fishing buddies or your fishing pages or wherever you're at. Wherever Add it to your Facebook, share it on Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Let people know we're live. They can watch us live here. I've got the little comments thing fixed as well, so you guys can comment on there. Um, so, yeah, man, just let us know. Let us, yeah, like share our share the broadcast. That'd be awesome. And go to our website, etcurrent.com. Buy a hat, buy a shirt, help us out. So, cool, man. What else do we need these guys to do? Yeah, pretty. Uh, sorry, I was having a little a little tech difficulty oh, there. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, we're we're excited to have y'all on. Um, we were at the, so sorry, fishing report. Yeah, man. Well, and just and just. Oh, hey, by the way, comment where you guys are watching us from. So, comment if you're watching us from what city, state, uh, Cliff. I'll read some of these comments as I go. Cliff Neal says, "Hey, looking forward to this." Uh, good evening. What's up, Ryan Miller, Don Myers, John, Cliff, Cameron, Lee? Thank you guys for commenting. And what what do they get? What do they get a chance to do if they comment on the show tonight, Joe? So if you comment on the show tonight, we've got a pretty awesome giveaway package from iStrike. Um, it's a sixty dollar value, but I think Billy's got a got a little screenshot or a little picture um, of the. Oh yeah, so we do have the iStrike. So if you guys are commenting let me pull it up right here boom right there look at that ice strike package this is over 60 dollars worth of value uh man all kinds of stuff yeah, that's on our side or? i don't know oh, we got trout eyes we got the redfish eyes um we've got the jail bait which is a new jig from ice strike that is for sheep's head fishing um, yeah i saw the video on that thing that it's pretty it's we'll awesome it looks like we've also got well. the uh, the texas eyes in there so all a great little package because we didn't touch any stickers on your truck yeah. on your boat nice little hat um but yeah, so if, if you comment and you share, um, you've got a chance to win that tonight, um, and it's 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 real cool. We love the guys over at Ice Strike. Uh, we they they did a giveaway on our first episode, and um, I think it was Austin Parker got won that, and he he sent us in a picture this week of quite a mess of trout and redfish he caught on, yeah, on the Ice Strike jigs, which was, was pretty, pretty cool. Ama- pretty amazing. I wish I'd have got that picture in time to put it on. So that was pretty amazing that he just got those in. Um, so, so yeah, guys, awesome. Well, I want to do a couple of sponsor shout-outs real quick. We don't want to get right into the show. Um, actually, do you, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on in the water around this area, North Carolina, that area? Yeah, certainly. So um, 
things are seeming to get a little bit better inshore. We've had the rain that we've been needing. I've been seeing so many more mullet and, and menhaden inshore. And with that, it seems that the redfish bite and the flounder and, and even still the trout fishing has been pretty good. Um, got on some, some nice redfish this week myself and in a few different areas and, and the flounder fishing. Um, it's not my strong point, but it's definitely I've been doing better this year and, and better in the last little bit with that rain. So near shore, we've still got the Spanish mackerel out there. Um, there's guys that are having good days and, and I think they've been a little tougher than, um, than they typically are this time of year, but I think this rain should help that out as well. Uh, lots of kingfish still near shore and, and mahi, blackfin tuna, um, so, uh, still a handful of sailfish out there and, and some nice marlin being caught. So, um, Sweet. inshore out to near shore has been pretty good. And, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of fish around right now. So the inshore bite, though, I, I know we were we were saying it was a little slow the past couple of weeks, but but it's definitely turning on with this little bit of rain and the bait showing up. So um, that's definitely a, a bonus. Awesome, man. Well, dude, that sounds awesome. I got a ton of people. Uh, just I'll just share some of these. We got a lot of people here in Wilmington coming on. Myrtle's Inlet, Myrtle Vegas. We all know where that's at. Uh, Texas. We got some people in Texas tuning in. New Bern, Wake Forest, Charleston. Man, Charleston, awesome. Got people from everywhere. Um, somebody says, I'm at a conference at ECU trying to get back home to do some fishing. Nice. Burgoff, just right up the road from us. Um, yeah, a lot of people from Charleston tuning in. I guess as I, I strike, man, they bring in the, the Charleston. They've got their followers. loyal followers. Um Awesome. Well, man, super excited about the show. Once again, I'm going to hit some sponsors really quick. I, I keep looking at this camera. I'm going to look at this one. I'm going to hit some <laughs> sponsors super quick. I'm going to share our CTO tip of the week with you uh, as well. So just to, first of all, just start out with iStrike. Once again, on the show, the founders are with us. We're going to bring them on. They're Skyped in. Maybe even heard them chatting a little. I'm still learning the software, so I don't think I had them muted. Uh, but working through working through all the tech stuff. Uh, so I strike super man just from day one, episode one. They like said, hey, we wanna we wanna you know help you guys and, and give some stuff away and help promote you. Uh, we're gonna be giving away Afco and Marsh or, or Marshware hat tonight. Yeah, Marshware. Uh, so we got a catch of the week, which we're gonna hit here in just a few minutes. Um, Eastern Angling was Judson Brock sitting here to my right in front of me, but also to the left or right of me. I, what, however, your screen is showing there. <laughs> um, Thorpe Creative, that's our business. So we print apparel, we do screen printing, all that. And Judson, uh, really go go follow him. He's been making some really cool. You've been making some really cool YouTube videos. I know you and Chandler were out earlier today shooting some stuff. Uh, so what is it? Judd Brock Fishing. Is that Judd right? Brock Fishing is the YouTube channel. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so yep. Go to YouTube. Follow him. Local guy, local captain here in Wilmington. Uh, I think Chandler was telling me you guys caught somewhere around 15 redfish or something. Yeah, like we did today. pretty good. I think we caught around 15. He said that you guys caught so many he was getting bored. I, I've never caught that many fish. Chandler was getting <laughs> – Chandler's just hard to entertain, man. <laughs> All right. No, he, we, it was fun. We were catching some fish. Cool. And then let's go ahead and get Seto, man. I love Scott and Seto. I'm excited about this guys, one. Yeah, I'm excited for you to see this one. So here's the Seto safety tip of the week. Let me bring up the slide here. Approach a dock as hard as you want to hit a dock. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Seto safety tip of the week. Approach a dock as hard as you want to hit a dock. That is a good Once again, I'm typically in a kayak, so it doesn't matter to me. I'll as fast as you there. can go. As fast as I can go and slide in there, yeah. So – uh, guys, check out Riceville Beach Seto if you need, um, you know, need those guys to come tow you out and, and do whatever. Uh, Scott is just a phenomenal guy, phenomenal, phenomenal company over there. So go check those guys out. 
Well, man, let's get right into the catch of the week, Justin. Why don't you tell us who won the catch of the week? I'll bring it up on the screen as well. So the catch of the week winner is Zach Kirby with a nice sheep's head he caught out of his kayak fishing. Um, where was he fishing? Uh, he was fishing in Carolina Beach. Carolina Beach Carolina area. Beach. So, um, yeah, he's he's a kayak fisherman around here and, and caught that nice sheep's head out of his kayak this week. So Yeah, a little insider information. Zach is a, a pretty good buddy of mine, and uh, we always talk fishing. So that kayak – actually, I'll bring it back up. That kayak he's in is a Hobie Compass – and his girlfriend bought it for him. I'm like, man, that's a pretty good gift uh, from your girlfriend. Yeah, it is. You know, and I don't know if she's watching. I, hopefully Zach's watching and will watch this. Does this mean you had to buy a ring? That's my question. <laughs> like, she bought you a $4,000 plus dollar, or whatever. How, how much of the compass is? $15,000. $15,000 kayak. So anyways, so that's uh, the catch of the week. Congrats, Zach. I will get that out to you. Um, we'll get some, uh, what, what is a marshware hat? I don't even know where I put it at. But anyway, we got that. We'll give it to you. So awesome. Great job on that. Well, anyways, man, let's go ahead and get into the interview segment. I'm going to just make sure I unmute these gentlemen on all of our all of our mics here. And we can just bring them on. I'll bring them on like a multi-cam. So, Judson, let's go ahead and introduce them, will you? So, yeah, uh, we're excited to introduce to you all Dave and Ralph from Ice Strike Fishing. They're down in South Carolina around the Charleston area. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting them. Um, we kind of connect. I connected with Dave over email for a while. Um, loved his, lo- loved him, his and Ralph's uh, jig heads, and I was like, I got to figure out how I can get on board with these guys, and and they've just become great friends ever since. They came down and fished with me in Louisiana. We had a great time. We had some bad weather, but we worked hard, and and uh, we ended up catching some fish. Um, but yeah, just absolutely great guys. Love sharing what their knowledge. They love, uh, you know, helping teach beginner fishermen or, or you know, fit people that want to learn any anything that they know. And so that's one of the huge. Um, pluses about them i feel like in this industry a lot of times it's like hush hush you got to keep things quiet which there's a place and a time for that but but the more people we have that love this sport and that are getting out on the water enjoying it the bigger voice we have for the resource so i always think it's so important to share the love and share share the knowledge with everyone that you can so dave and ralph uh if y'all want to say hey and welcome Welcome to the the show show. i think we got you up on the screen now oh yeah i brought you up early just uh because i didn't know what else to do so i brought you up if i keep pointing down here like this i have a monitor down here and so we got you on the screen. I'm just looking at the monitor so I can see what's going okay. on. Okay, great. Thank you. That, that's some mighty nice things to say about us. We don't yeah. get all those nice things. Thank you. Thanks for us. Hey, absolutely. Well, thanks for being here. And just a guy, you know, I read your guys' story on your website. And by the way, guys, go to iStrikeFishing.com for, um, for you know, all their product, apparel, all those things. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those products. Uh, but I just want to tell you up front in the show, because some of you might dip out earlier or whatever, but iStrikeFishing.com, and you can go in there and check it out. And be sure to read the bio, man. These guys, have they're just not overnight guys. They've uh, Ralph has been in the industry and really fishing for over 40 years. And this is what it said, Ralph, on the website. You've been fishing for over 40 years. You guided offshore. You won a bunch of tournaments. You've been in a bunch of magazines. And really, your experience is just unmatched, especially to anyone on this podcast, for sure. Most so, certainly. appreciate you coming on. That means a lot that you would, you guys would set some time. And, and I don't want to leave out Dave because he's like, he's the engineer guy, the product development guy. And just, um, you know, it sounds like, and you guys can tell us a little bit more, but it sounds like you work t- together, you collaborate, you're a little bit different in partnership, but it, it, it's a good fit for you. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We, we do appreciate the opportunity and, and you, you nailed it. We're, 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 uh, a lot of difference between us and people ask me that question all the time how in the world did you and dave get hooked up and i said well dave's the smartest man i ever met and uh, i'm the luckiest fisherman i know 
that's a good way to come together there. <laughs> Dave, do you, that, do you agree with that statement? <laughs> uh, yeah. I just want to say, uh, I, you know, you started out talking about Judd, and I just want to mention about Judd. Judd is one of our uh, very few, what we call our team, team I strike. Uh, he got a hold of me, and you know, we we don't, we didn't, we started out in this industry without a clue. We didn't really know how it worked, and uh, you know, people want to be on a pro staff, and I didn't even know what a pro staff was when we got started, <laughs> and uh, we don't have a pro staff because we already discount our products forty percent depending on how many jigs you buy, so we can't afford to have a pro staff. Uh, but instead, we decided to take. A, a select handful of people that we consider uh, people who are maybe, you know, maybe not high profile already. Uh, Judson's probably are started out as one of the more high profile people that we have. Um, but <clears throat> people that just already love our products and are just great ambassadors for our products. But number one, we want to have people that are just good people that we like a lot and we want to represent our products and Judd's one of them. So, um, well, we're happy so to much. support you guys. Cause Hey, Judd's one of our guys. I mean, he, <laughs> we love Judd. He's, uh, he, you know, we want to fish with him in Louisiana. Um, great guy. So I just want to say that connection there with Judd is, uh, you know, it's a strong one. So, well, thanks so much. That means a ton. And I felt the same way when I talked to y'all on the phone, I was like, you know, this is a company and, and, you know, they're, they're, they're in this industry, but it's, it feels more like a, like a family kind of bond as far as how things go and just keeping up with a couple other guys on social media and talking and, um, and just kind of supporting each other as we try to do something in this industry or, um, w whatever it may be. So it's, it's definitely a really cool team slash family to be a part of. And, um, one I'm, one I'm very thankful to be a part of. Man, that's awesome. You guys uh, just had like such a connection there. I didn't want to mess bonding it up. moment. I, I was just <laughs> like, uh, okay, I'm just gonna let these guys hash it out. Hopefully, I can be a part of the family now that you guys are part of the East Coast, yeah, the Eastern, the East Coast family, the Eastern Current family. So I'm like, I'm about to shed a tear over here for real. <laughs> and we'll have one more scotch and sing Kumbaya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sing Kumbaya. So I'm gonna just, I'm gonna go through. Oh well, I thought we had some questions on our, on our. Um, comments and reactions Luke Donay said that your guy's camera is better than his um he was one of our first he was our first guest actually on the show so um man that's that's excellent thank you guys for for you know once again being on and, and sharing and I want to get into I have this question I want to ask well actually I'm going to let Judson start out with some questions he has some some questions he wants to ask and then I have a really important one I've been waiting actually two really important ones I'll wait on and and let uh let you guys answer them so justin go ahead and fire away man so one of one of them was how did y'all meet we've already kind of been over that you know the smartest guy and the luckiest fisherman are obviously going to come together but how did y'all how i want to hear kind of both y'all's backstories i think everybody else does is how did y'all get into fishing where did it all start um how did you really decide hey i love this enough to um try to get into this industry i'm still trying to figure that out <laughs> <laughs> no uh I was so picture Dave. Dave is uh, got into fishing um, by going with a friend and and got the bug just like so many people do, um, especially saltwater. You know, go out with a friend and have a good day, and next thing you know, you bought a boat and you got a new passion in life. But that was me, <laughs> and uh, you know, had a lot of trips getting skunked and started to slowly learn, figure out. You know, I focused on one, one creek and tried to figure out 
that creek really, really well. And that's what I did for a couple of years. And I kind of got stuck on a, in a plateau and kind of a rut. And I was like, how do I get out of this rut? And I didn't know how I was going to do it, honestly. And um, around that time, you know, I wanted to join a fishing club, but where I lived in Somerville, there wasn't a fishing club any closer than 45 minutes away. And I wasn't going to, I just wasn't going to drive that far. Um, and then I heard through the grapevine that someone named Ralph Phillips, I actually knew Ralph because I went to a seminar that he gave and found out Ralph was trying to organize a fishing club in Somerville and was having an interest meeting. And I was all, all about it. So I, I went there and there was maybe 80 people there. It was a, it was a very right, big, big crowd, yeah. turnout. And he had kind of a hand-picked group of industry, like people very prominent in the industry in Charleston, sort of hand-picked to be on the initial board. And they needed someone to do like the technical stuff. And there Dave was, didn't know any of them, raised his hand. You know, <laughs> I know I know some technical stuff. <laughs> and uh, I think Ralph kind of raised an eyebrow and said, okay, I don't know who you are, but uh, let's, let's go join the board. So I joined the board, and uh, and that's how we met. That's awesome. And I, you know, even then, I, it was probably a couple months where we still didn't know each other that well. Went to a few, you know, meetings to organize things. And uh, he invited me to go fishing one day. And um, I just tried to do all the things that you want the best fishing partner uh, to to do, which is show up on time, pack light, uh, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> you know, Bring lots of uh, snacks and drinks. Stay out of the way. And then uh, I tried to do something nice for him. I was trying, you know, after the trip, I was trying, just trying to think, what can I do for Ralph Phelps? He's probably got, he doesn't need fishing gear. He, he doesn't probably need anything. So I thought, well, the best way to thank him probably be to buy donuts for his uh, employees at his company. So that's what I did. And uh, I probably made a good impression with him. Absolutely. And um, uh, we just kind of hit it off. And it, it sort of grew from there. We became good friends, started fishing more. And, um, you know, like, like any kind of fishing buddy, uh, you, it, you don't want it to be a chore when you go fishing. And I think, you know, when you, when you have someone, you know, is going to be a good partner, a good company, uh, you know, show up on time, you tend to invite them out again. So we started fishing more and more. And next thing you know, we started this business and, and here we are today talking to you guys. Yeah, that's awesome. That's super cool. Well, how about, how about you, Ralph? What was your, uh, what was your entry into well, the fishing world? Well, let me tell you what, I, start, I started as a young, I was raised on a farm up in O'Ree County, right around Myrtle, the Myrtle Beach area, a little ways from there. And my grandfather would take me take me fishing in the rivers and the creeks, and I'd follow him around waiting, you know, catching bluegill, catching uh, uh, bram, as they were called, and, and uh, catching red breast and catfish and things like that. And I remember one day I caught my first trout. Now, that's what they call freshwater largemouth bass used to. In the old days, they weren't bass, they were trout. They were freshwater trout. And that's what I, and first one I ever caught was just, I, I thought I had really done something. And that, that got, got the bug for me. And like I told you earlier, that's, uh, we were talking, that's really where I looked at the, the watching the little minnows in the creek and, and watching them swim. They were clear. You could see through them. And all I could see was a black dot. 
And that, I, I just paid attention to that. And the fish would come up and they would eat those minnows, the bram, the blue, the red breast, eat, eat the, uh, the, the minnows. And that stuck with me for years till we got a chance to make the, uh, the, the trout eye and the big eye jig and that sort of thing. And we could talk about that more. And uh, then uh, um, I got real lucky. Uh, finished, I finished high school in Darlington and fished all up in Black Creek and red breast fishing. And all that, the fresh that was water. probably lucky in itself. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I think <laughs> I told Dave. Yeah, I told, I told Dave. That was good. Hey, thank you. I told Dave the best three years of my life was the 11th grade because I spent too much time fishing, but uh, <laughs> we we did learn from it. And, and uh, after that, I came, I came back after a little stint in the service and uh, uh, just started fishing for bass and and uh, just really got on the, got got the the the, uh, the bass bug and fished a lot of tournaments and successful with it. But studying the old patterns that I learned, which is structure, structure, structure. And then I got bit by the saltwater bug. I was fishing up in the Cooper River, the largemouth actually, and I caught a flounder. And then I caught a spot tail, and then I caught a trout. And, you know, I said, by that time, I said, to hell with these sweetwater fish. I'm going to see what these saltwater fish are like. And let's say I started fishing closer to the harbor with worms, Texas rig worms, like the, old, the Texas I will talk about, Texas rig worms, catching flounder and, and trout and redfish on basically in a bass boat with freshwater tackle. Uh, and I got I got bit by the uh, marlin bug probably in the next ten years, and uh, I was lucky enough to, to to do well in some tournaments and fished all up and down the East Coast. Been very fortunate to to have friends that had money that could take us to these places, and uh, I was lucky enough to catch fish, so they took me along for that. So uh, Costa Rica, uh, we fished fished a lot down in 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 San Jose. Went to San Jose and fished the Pacific side, and. Uh, we were fortunate enough to get up. We fished some in Alaska. We fished wow. in, in Seattle for salmon. I, and and it's been, been some, a great, great learning experience to watch all this. But if I had to sum up one thing that what everything had in common, whether it was catching salmon or whether it was chasing marlin and looking for, for depth changes and current changes, it was all about the structure and the flow. And that's, that's the one thing that has, has made me uh, at least know where to go to try to catch a fish and to look is to, to, to study what I've learned from all these different species. It all boils back to the same thing as structure, flow, current, cover, sunlight, light, dark. So you, you put all that into about, uh, let's see, it's, it's close to 60 years now, but probably 40, 50 years fishing right here in Charleston. It, it, it never fails. And that's, that's, uh, that's how I got here. Got lucky, won some tournaments. Made a lot of good friends, uh, made a couple of enemies. Uh, of course, uh, they not with us. Hey, we not they not with they not with us anymore. So we'll move on from there. Awesome. Well, I have a I do have a follow up question for you. Uh, I mean, you shared just a lot of good information, and hopefully we can dive into the flow to the structure. Uh, but when you're in eleventh grade, I you know I looked at some pictures, I watched several videos just preparing for this interview. Uh, in 11th grade, were you smoking those cigars on every trip? Was that, uh, is that, is that a part of your tackle box, those cigars? It, it, it absolutely is. I have a breakfast <laughs> cigar. I started, I started smoking, I started smoking cigars. I never smoked cigarettes, never smoked anything. I started smoking cigars when I was 19 years old. And the way I did it, I was in the Navy and I, I, I got lucky enough. My draft number was three. So I joined the reserve so I wouldn't have to go to Vietnam. Guess what? Uh, I, I called my mom and I said, what's plan B? Plan A ain't working. I'm going to Vietnam. <laughs> Guy gave me one to keep me awake on the midwatch. The midwatch was 12 to 4, and he said, if you'll smoke the cigar, he said, you won't go to sleep and get in trouble, and you'll, you'll, keep, it, you'll keep it safe. 
So I said, okay. All so right. I tried. Well, you know, I, I tried puffed on a cigar before, tried a little bit occasionally. So I smoked it. And this was a the real deal. This was the <laughs> <laughs> my wife won't let me smoke it in the house, but anyway, it's right here. So stand by. But uh, I smoked that, and I promise you, I didn't go to sleep that night, or probably half day the next day. But it, it's, it's, it's not a good habit, but I do love them, and it helps to fishing. It's hey. like his security blanket. He's got an unlit cigar in his hand right now. That's my blankie. That's the blankie. All right, gotcha. So, and I'll ask you one more cigar question, and I'll let Judson jump back in here. Um, but if it's down to the fish or the cigar, which one are you letting go of? If you're about to land that fish. If you're about to land a fish, because I saw you, I saw you have a reel in one hand, a cigar in the other. I was confused that has the, how that yeah. works anyway. But. Video. You hadn't seen the Z-Man video. I had to throw the cigar down because oh, I, okay. I tried to enjoy it, and I got to lit up a little too close, and it caught my hand on fire. I had to give it up. <laughs> oh, man, perfect. Well, I had to ask those couple questions because I always love stories like that of how, how do people – you know, they they always have something in their hand when they fish or something that makes them comfortable. So, absolutely. Well, Justin, don't, don't take up that habit. Leave that habit so, alone. So, I don't smoke cigars. And uh, probably the reason is my, my father died when I was like three years old. And he's, just, he's a heavy cigar smoker. And there's reason to believe that might have been part of it. So, I don't smoke it. But I have a condition uh, where I will smoke a cigar. And, Ralph, what is it? 27-inch trap. A 27-inch trout. You catch a 27-inch trout, uh, a wild, so you can't, you know, a saltwater pond doesn't count. I've caught one in that big in a saltwater pond, but I catch a wild 27-inch trout here in Charleston, then I'm smoking that cigar. Call I'm, me I'm up. Safe. I'm going to smoke I'm one, safe. too. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it's been 25, uh, caught 25. So. What's your biggest trout, Ralph? Uh, here locally or, or Probably probably 29 to 30, not local in Florida, but here locally, the biggest one I caught, it was, was, uh, it was 29 inches and it weighed 7 pounds. And I caught two back-to-back, a 7 and a 7-1, 29 That's inches, awesome. right, here, right here in Charleston. Yes, sir. That's awesome. Why don't you ask me what I caught it on? What did you catch him on? <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw, I saw it's, a, it's a crazy story, I saw shrimp skipping. And I, what I had on, on a, on a baitcasting reel was a a, a pop r that's that's a bass lure that's that's made by a rebel called a pop r it's a chug plug and i saw the shrimp and i picked it up and ripped it out and they they just i thought it was a redfish but they they, they just uh, they really piled up on i was ripping through the water and they, they just came up and got it god that's right awesome it. not only was he a monster trout but a monster trout on top water that is cool so that kind of leads me into this next question i want to ask so what together both of y'all on the boat what is the most epic fishing adventure that y'all have had fishing tail uh whatever it may be that y'all have had together shared together on the water locally or um or you know out, outside of south carolina well yeah we have we've we've fished together a lot so we've, we've got a few uh we call each other tom and huck so we, we call them tom and huck adventures and we <laughs> uh there's been a few times we've been on the boat and looked at each other like what the hell are we doing <laughs> what are we doing here and one one of them was uh we were talking about this morning we were uh it was probably what january february cold dead of winter uh one out of uh, bushy park up here brackish water launch and it was cold probably 40 something degrees mm. pouring rain and you know we're looking through this much opening uh, you can only see your eyes. You know, we're covered head to toe, 
freezing. I didn't have proper boots, so my 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 shoes were full of water. And we're we're driving through the blasting rain and looking at each other like, what are we stupid? <laughs> and uh, and we pulled up to the first spot and we were like, well, let's just make a few casts and you know maybe we'll head back to the landing. And first or second cast, we caught a nice redfish. And we were like, hmm, hmm, maybe uh, maybe they're biting. So. We ended up at a spot that we don't totally tell anyone about. It's kind of like a there's a few few generous people that are. Well, now's you know, the time. This is a perfect show. To perfect share. time to say yeah. our hands. <laughs> yeah, a few few people that know this particular spot, and uh, we pulled up there, and I tell you what, we yo-yoed redfish. I'm talking one. I mean doubles after doubles after doubles. We were laughing like little. Uh, middle school kids in the pouring rain freezing cold and just having a time of our lives and that was that was a one that i won't probably ever forget a lot a lot a lot of doubles you think of another one yeah we we had uh, dave when we first get got started uh, i was down and my wife had a business trip down in florida and i went down and and we were fishing uh, it was that mosquito lagoon and we'd hired a guide and i go down there and and the guy, he was a great guy. He was recommended by somebody local here that knows him. And so hired him and went down and uh, he uh, he shows up with his boat with no trolling motor on it. And he's got live shrimp. He's got pig fish. He's got mullet. He's got every known species of live bait. I show up with a, a bait casting reel and one spinning reel and a, and a handful of artificials. And I told him, I said, all you have to do is take me to a spot that you think I can catch a big trout. I don't care anything about little trout. Take me to the spot. Well, he did, and we, we had a great time, and I fished artificials, and he fished the pigfish. I invited Dave down. I said, Dave, you got to come down here and try this. So he drove down to Florida, and we had the same guide and went out and uh, uh, with this man. And, and you know, we, we're, we're, we're 99% uh, artificial fishermen. We had the time of our life in Mosquito Lagoon. Uh, in the middle of the day with the bright sun, we caught redfish on top water. And he said, that don't work down here. And we, we didn't know that it didn't work. So we threw it and caught redfish and, uh, we, we didn't know it didn't work. And, and then we took in fishing the sand holes and we absolutely caught some, some really gator trout and we never used, we never used a live bait. We were fishing the artificials and throwing the bait up on the grass and drag it back. And, uh, I think the guy was impressed that we, we stuck to our principles and stayed with the artificials and put our jig heads and it just had a heck of a time. And, uh, and he still talks about the trip. That's awesome. That's, That's uh, I fished the Mosquito Lagoon just a little bit. Um, I was down in the Keys actually one time, and it was we were down there to tarpon fish, and it was blowing so bad. And the for- we're like, all right, let's look at the forecast all the way up the coast and just start driving until we get to good weather. And so we stopped the Mosquito Lagoon and fished. And there are some big trout in there. I've only gotten to fish it that one time, but that's a cool fishery, the Mosquito Lagoon area. And um, I definitely want to get back down there. I might have to get that guy's number from you because I want to go catch some trout down there and, and mosquito look. <laughs> Man, I got I got a couple Facebook questions. Um, I'll just kind of get our multicam here to ask you guys. And so we'll kind of get maybe move into talking more about. You said you fish ninety nine percent artificial bait. Um, so a question from John on our Facebook, um, Fatrelli. I hope I didn't massacre your last name there, John. Uh, he says I've heard people uh, say they use a lot of the same tackle to catch both flounder and red drum inshore. He says he's caught a billion a billion flounder. John, I'm going to call you out on that, man. I'm not sure. A billion. A billion flounder. But he's never caught a red drum. He says, what am I missing? Do I need a boat that drafts in two inches? Like, what's the trick? Um, so you guys talked a little bit about artificial. 
Um, so maybe let's dive into that. You know, before the show, you're you're kind of telling us, hey, here's how you find fish. Here's how you, and this it sounds like John's question is like, do I need a skinny boat, or you know, I can go into skinny water to find these fish? Like, what's the trick? I can catch flounder, but I can't catch red drum or redfish. And then like, can on on your guys' products and the things that you use, are you finding that you have success and other people have success uh, catching all types of inshore species? That was a little okay. bit loaded question, but no, that was a long question. What you got? We, we we fish we fish basically the same tackle for redfish, trout, and flounder. It's the structure, and we we look for we if we targeting flounder, if we're looking for targeting to flounder, we like to find a flow, uh, outgoing tide, inlets where they where they can they can sit there and they they can ambush bait. If I go out, it's just a strictly I want to go catch a flounder. I'm gonna look for ditches and, and little creeks that drop out, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fish that. I'm gonna fish it very very slow. Uh, keep that bait on the bottom. Keep it moving. Uh, the the Z-Man product, which we partners with and we fish a lot, the tail floats up on it, and we get we take it like a light head, like an eighth ounce or nothing heavier than three sixteenths, and let the head go down, and we bump that out very very slowly. That's the way I would and David I think would target flounder if we would go out and say we're gonna try to catch a flounder. It look for the inlets, look for the shelves that at low tide, uh, there's still water on the shelf. Now by shelf, I mean like you got from the grass, you got 10 feet out and then it drops into the channel. Those flounder are gonna lay up there on that shallow that shallow shelf that we call it. And you, you move that bait uh, across there slowly. And if you think you're hung up and you just, you think you're snagged up, just wait a second. It may be a flounder. They just grab it and hold it. But that, that's the way we would go about it. And we don't. I don't change anything. So, I mean, it's, you know, but the, the the question was the guy was caught a billion flounder. Oh, he's looking for what redfish? Oh, he wants to catch redfish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first he needs to tell the truth. I mean, a billion flounder. My God. <laughs> Usually it's the opposite. Yeah. Uh, redfish are easier. Yeah. That's, flounder that's, are harder. That reminds me of what George Bush said one time. He went to talk to the Secretary of Defense, and he said, my God, they've sent three Brazilian soldiers in, in, into uh, uh, Afghanistan. Anyway, uh, he didn't know what a Brazilian was. But um, a billion <laughs> is uh, the, the target the, the target redfish we do. Yeah, that's pretty good, wasn't it? That's pretty good. That's good. That's me, and Billy are, me and Billy are rolling over here. <laughs> so, Ralph, have you caught a bill you've been fishing for a long time. Have you caught a billion flounder? That's a good question. No, sir. No, sir. I have. But let me tell you, uh, I've told fish stories that bad, but I've not caught that many. Tar- me tar- if you if you target red fishing, is, is move off just to, if the tide's out, if you're fishing the same pattern. We find that they'll, they'll move off a little bit, and the, and the red fish, the way we fish here, they'll drop down in the channel a little bit. They, they uh, When the tide comes up, they'll come up with the tide. But when they come back down with the tide coming out, they they seem they have a tendency to drop off on the ledges. So if you got a spot where you're catching flounder, look where that creek channel where it drops down, and that that's the way we pattern them. And one one thing that Dave's working really hard on now is side scan with with the depth finders, learning a whole lot about that. And that that shows when you go by and you see a channel where there's a drop down, you can you can mark the fish with it. And that's if I could tell you one thing is get out of get out of the shallow water, move back where it drops into the channel. And you got a little little defined uh, drop there. Yeah, I would say uh, to, to add to that, you know, it kind of depends on how salty the water is too. Um, if you're in, you know, pretty salty water, you're gonna find them around shells. So look for oyster rakes. 
Um, they're going to congregate around oyster reefs. Um, also, docks. If, if you are in the creek and um, look for the dock that extends into the deepest water and then fish those pilings, um, doesn't hurt if you want to just find out where the pattern is. I mean, redfish are dumb. Let's be honest. They're not smart fish. Uh, if you pitch a piece of cut mullet under a dock and wait no more than five minutes, if you do not get bit, pick it up and go to the next dock. Keep doing that until you find the fish. When you find them, take note of the, of the tide stage. They will be in that same pattern the entire summer during the warm water. It's not hard to do. So uh, one thing to look for, something we do here a lot, if you look for Google Maps where you have a big flat that empties out into a little feeder creek, and that happens to be right up current of a dock that's on an outgoing tide, so that current's coming up out of the flat, it's emptying the flat, and it's spilling into that dock. Target that dock, because that's going to hold redfish. It's guaranteed. Um, on the flip side, if you're fishing in brackish water, which is what we do a lot, it's, it's a great, I love brackish water. It's our favorite it's thing. Awesome. You're basically bass fishing. If you think about bass, bass are going to hang on fallen trees. They're going to hang on any kind of structure that's not shells. It's like drop-offs, rocks, rocky points, submerged brush or anything that's like that you'll find redfish there the same as you'll find largemouth bass in fact quite often we'll catch a largemouth bass on one cast and a redfish on another cast so um try that you'll you'll catch more redfish it, it goes right back to what we said structure 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 no matter what the fish redfish they, they they absolutely love it if you got a line of docks if you got docks you got 10 in a row uh dave can tell you we first started fishing together I'd hit the first two docks on each end and move on from there. Yep. So, so would you say that docks are uh, more important than than bait, than the, than jig heads, than, than lures? Because um, because I, I know you're talking about the eye, and 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 from the story that I read, you fish a lot of offshore, Ralph, and and the thing about it was they always strike the eye. And so I had a question from a friend of mine. He said, make sure you ask him this question, and it was, do um, do artificial baits catch more fish or catch more fishermen which i thought was a pretty interesting question because you guys have you know first of all just a phenomenal looking product um we obviously know it you know like from our, our guy who sent us a picture in we they won the the catch of the week i think a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. um so would you and then somebody else and i'm kind of asking loaded questions i'm trying to like get to our questions but get to facebook as well and someone asked if you guys could elaborate on the color selection, like depending on the water, clarity, time of day, things like that. So kind of kind of a loaded question, but can maybe even answer their question, like colors for dark water, light water, things like that. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Um, and you can talk about Z-Man products. You guys can you know, obviously share your relationship with Z-Man. I know we talked about that pre-show a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, I, one of my good friends is, uh, was Bob Sanders. He was the guy who sort of discovered the trout trick. People, a lot of people know the trout trick. It's now a Z-Man product. Um, used to be a gambler lure that um, Bob Sanders had come up with. And uh, he was, along with Ralph, he was one of my mentors. And uh, he always had the opinion that artificials, you can catch more fish on artificials than live bait. 
And people would usually raise their eyebrow and say, come on, BS. And his rationale, and I really believe this, is that it's true because you can cover a lot more area with an artificial bait than you can with a live offering. So if you have like a shrimp under a cork, that cork's going to float with the current. It's going to cover a little line, uh, you know, along the creek. Um, but if there's a fish six feet away, he may not see it because of, you know, dirty water or whatever. But the way we fish is we'll drift with the current. We don't ever really stay in one place. We'll just keep going. We're basically bass fishing. We're bass fishing for saltwater fish. You're, you're drifting with the current and you're fan casting the entire bank. So you're covering, I mean, square feet of, of you're basically covering the entire bottom. And we're using and an artificial base, you're, you're, you're the columns yeah, and, and the top to bottom, and then area. And you, but you got me and Ralph in the boat. We're going to canvas an area in ten minutes. And if the fish are there, we're, we know that the way we're presenting it, it's probably going to get bit. If those fish are there, they're going to probably bite it. They may, you know, if nothing else, they might hit it and they may miss it. But at least we'll know they're there. And if they're not, we're going to move. So we can cover tons of water with artificial baits. And I think my experience start having pretty fairly new to this. And when I started out, I was on the boat with Ralph and he kept looking over at me and I was using the wrong technique. I was leaving a lot of slack in my line. He'd look over and say, you just missed a bite. I'm like, what? No. He's like, yep, just missed a bite. And then keep going. Okay. You missed another one. What? Well, it's all about managing your line. It's all about technique. You know, we, we could talk about that. It's a whole different subject, but, um, when you figure out how to do it right, you are not going to miss a bite. I mean, I could tell you, I guarantee you, if I get a bite, I don't care how light it is, I'm going to know that at least I know I'll get bit, and I may miss it, but I know it's there. And um, a lot of people, when they fish out artificial baits, they don't manage their line, and they'll get bit, and they never even knew they had a bite. And um, for that reason, I would say artificial bait's more efficient. It, you'll catch more fish with artificial bait once you learn how to do it. And a lot of another benefit to it is under one at a time because we fish 12 months out of the year. We try to fish. We try to fish 100 days a year. Uh, one at a time bait's a little hard to find. Where well, you you can find the Z-Man or other products you can go to tackle shop and buy. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go out and catch bait or worry about it. you got frozen bait and this sort of thing. But the, the to me the real excitement is I have tricked that fish, and and I, and I tell this all the time. And you probably you guys may have already heard. It. I tell people. If you only want to fish, if you only want to feed the fish, if you only want to take bait and throw it in the water, you can save yourself a lot of money. Don't buy a boat, don't buy a Jeep, don't buy a car. Buy you an aquarium, <laughs> stay home, throw food in there, and feed them. And <laughs> you know, and I, I get, I get, I get some, I get some laughs, and I get some fingers. I get several different things. I mean, you know, it's just the way I feel. If it, if you want to enjoy the fishing, get out there and have the confidence. You know, it, it catches a lot of fishermen. Because a lot of fish are caught on those baits. Give it if it's in your mind, it goes down your line. I say that all the time. All right. Think, think positive, and throw that bait out there, and uh, keep the keep keep the line tight so you can feel the bite. You catch two or three fish on artificial, you'll quit wasting your money on bait. I like it. I like it. No, it's it, I'm with you on that. And I remember when we fished together, um, you were talking about feeling the bites too. Y'all y'all really like fishing those uh, those Tennessee handle uh, rods, don't you? Awesome, and and so that explain kind of what that is, and, and how that helps you out when you're, especially trout fishing. I feel like is where, 
where it's a pretty big benefit. Well, I'll tell you what, it goes back with me primarily on the Tennessee end. I was a young man. I was fishing up in Tennessee, and we were we were dropping down 30, 40 feet of water. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine up there was a guide, and he, we were catching smallmouth. And, I, I mean, I'm talking about he beat me like a red-headed stepchild. I mean, he just wore me out. I couldn't feel the bite. He said, you can't feel it without handling it. such a subtle bite. So uh, uh, he, he convinced it. And what a Tennessee handle is, is a rod blank. It's a cork handle. And, and we use tape. And we literally taped that reel to the handle. Uh, I, I think Shimano one time talked about making, made a few. I don't know how it worked out for them. But anyway, that's the most sensitive rod and combination. You have no metal in it. You can feel no deflection. I think Dave is a, is a convert here. We, mm -hmm. And when the wind's blowing, when it's cold, when it's a light bite. And, and you know what? A lot of folks, uh, when they're learning how to fish artificial, I'm standing in the boat and I watch the line flick. And like I did with Dave, I said, you just missed a bite. No, I said, oh, you did. You missed a bite. It's like a little flick. That's all you feel. Just boop. That's all you feel. And what that is, a friend of mine, Charlie Winter, uh, explained that and showed me. And you can go to the wildlife department here in, on James Island and see it when they feed in trout. I got I got a little little bait here. We'll hold it up. And when that trout, particularly a trout, when he goes up, he's, he doesn't bite that bait. He sucks it in. He pulls water in. And he flushes it through his gills. And what you feel is this bait hitting the back of his mouth, the back of his throat, like that. And if you don't hook that fish, I'm talking about really pretty quick, the next thing you feel, he blows it out because it's not natural. So the thump you feel on the bite is hitting the back of his throat. And we watched that and witnessed that with live trout, eight, nine pounders in the, in the, in the aquarium there, and they would feed them. And they'd throw, they would throw bait in, that fish would suck it in and eat it. They would throw a piece of plastic in. They would take it in, you'd feel the bump, and they'd blow it right back out. So you really got to keep a tight line. If the wind's blowing, keep your rod tip down. Stay in contact with your lure. And most, of your, most of your bites are going to come on the drop. When the, when the bait's bouncing up and it's coming on the fall, you're going to get most of your bites. So you got to have a tight line so you can feel it. And when I say it's a light bite, sometimes the bigger the fish, the lighter the bite because they, they just explode like that and pull the bait in. So I, that's what, something I was going to add is in, in my learning curve to fishing artificial baits, um, how many times did we fish the same hole with the same rod, same jig, everything like that, and Ralph would pull out a fish bigger than mine over and over again. I'm like, what, what am I doing wrong? And it occurred to me eventually that the reason is the bigger the fish, the lighter the bite. We're talking about trout. The bigger the trout, the lighter that our fight bite on artificial. So, you know, a Tennessee handle isn't for everyone, but if you really want to target the gator trout and artificial, you need to be able to feel. You need you need to eliminate everything that's going to keep it from feeling that slightest bite. And uh, and and that's that's the reason. And he has 50 years experience, and I have you know 15. So. I'll never catch up, but uh, <laughs> well, we, we add, add, that, to add that along with the, we, we catch we do a lot of shad fishing. Uh, we have in the last couple of years, but historically we've had a good shad, shad fishery here, and that's that's an extremely light bite when the when the shad's biting a, a thirty second ounce jig head, and it applies to that too. And it'll apply to any time you're fishing artificials. You got to be able to feel that bite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. One other question, real quick, that went in with this that just came up on Facebook was Ralph, is it true you use straight braid for trout? No when, when, I, 
when I'm fit, when I use straight braid for trout, when I am fishing jigs and, uh, Dave here has beat me, beat me unconscious to tie a piece of mono when I'm doing top water and I have gone to a leader now with top water. So I don't tangle the hook, but when I'm fishing a uh, braid, I tie it straight to the hook. I don't want anything to deflect that bite. That's awesome. That's cool. So that, that's another thing I think that, um, you know, you get, you get a lot of sort of, um, I, I don't know if it's a myth, but you get information that's passed along from people to people and it becomes kind of sort of like gospel. And that is you got to have a leader. Now, if you're in Florida or you're in a place that's got super clear swimming pool type water, then hundred percent, you're going to need a long leader here in Charleston. We've got dirty water. You don't, you don't need a leader. Ralph's convinced me of that. I've watched him pull gator trout after gator trout out of the water using straight braid to the jig. Um, it might be a little bit in how he fishes and how he's taught me how to fish. And we're, we're going for a reaction bite. You know, we're not presenting it really, really slow. So it's the fish has a chance to really examine that lure before it bites it. You know, our, our lures are going pretty quick. And I think when those fish see that lure come by, they have a split second to decide if I that's, if that's a meal or if it's not. And if it's a meal, it's getting away. So they better strike it pretty quick. And, um, you know, the braid, the, the leader is not, it's not, it's really not an issue. You don't need a, you don't need a leader. And kind of jumping into, to rigging, I, I watched a video and maybe you could share a little bit more about this, Dave or Ralph, um, you know, cause that was one of the things, cause I, I fish a lot of artificial stuff, not very good at it. I'm learning a lot on this show, but, but kind of like you, Dave, like getting, just saying, Hey, I'm just going to fish artificial. I'm going to get better. And, and really work at it. So the way that you were rigging, you know, some of the soft plastics of this one was particularly a Z-Man onto your guy's jig head, also to the iStrike jig head. I mean, that obviously has a lot to do with it because, you know, some of those soft plastics, I feel like are, are pretty stretchy. So am I missing a bite because, you know, maybe a flounder is pulling it out or maybe a trout, you know, like you said, trout suck it in or flounder and redfish or they you know, really novice or novice question here, but you know, how are, how do I rig that thing to make sure, you know, when I pull the, the, pull that back out, it's not just like dangling off the hook. Like I've run into that so many times uh, when fishing artificial kind of a basic question, but I've heard all kinds of stuff. Just curious. I saw the video that you made, so I don't know if you yeah. have something you could show us there or not. So, uh, it, yeah, I mean that, that's something that we learned from Daniel Nussbaum, the president of Z-Man. Um, you know, we, we sort of committed to fishing Z-Man just because we're partners with them, and and now I don't. You wouldn't convince me to fish anything else. I, I'm convinced that it's the best product out there. I mean, I don't care if we ended our relationship with Z-Man, I'd still be fishing Z-Man because it's a better product. But you know, you hear the complaints all the time. Well, I can't get the bait on the hook, and you know, our our jigs have some pretty prominent uh, prongs. That's one of the reasons that it so works so well for Z-Man. And uh, we sat down, we were, I'll never forget it, we were sitting there with, with Daniel, and I think we said the same thing. We're having a trouble getting it on the hook. And he's like, oh, you got to pull it. Don't push it, you got to pull it. And we were like, huh? And he, he showed us, you know, if you look at the video on our, on our YouTube, I Strike Fishing, you'll see a video where I've shown how to do it. You have to hold the, the curve of the hook, pull the Elastec over the head, and let it snap back onto those hooks. Once you do that, it is not going to come off. And, and we, we heard it from him. Yes. We were both just like, 
Well, oh, duh. <laughs> well, Daniel was telling us, you know, if you got you got a Z-man and you're trying to push it on the hook, it's like trying to shoot pool with a rope. You can't do it. But yeah, this is a text I hear. But the concept was pull it up over, and you can see you can take this and you pull this just like that, get it over the barb, and it snaps back and it's there. Mm-hmm. And you do both. You just take it both sides. This is a Texas I wish we were going to talk about. But you pull it up over those barbs, and it will stretch just like this. You'll never push it all the way up on the barbs, but you can pull it and snap it back, and it's just like that. Yeah, it's so simple, but total game changer with Z-Man. Do y'all ever do much with uh, using super glue to keep the Z-Mans up? No, don't need to when you do it like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'll have to try it like that. With these barbs, you don't you don't need anything to glue to it. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Um, so we were uh, – the, the next uh, thing we were going to jump into was – Y'all had mentioned um, the the partnership with Redfin Charters, and um, yeah, kind of speaking of partnerships, yeah. as far as like with Z Man, I know you guys just started, uh, and we could talk about this a little bit. We could talk about jigs a little bit, kind of wherever you guys want. You know, nothing. I keep looking at the wrong. Oh wait, it doesn't matter. I'm not even on camera because I haven't learned how to work this thing yet. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, there I am. Perfect. So we were talking. You know, we could get back into to talking about some of the different types of jig heads. Um, but I, you know, while people are still on and, and we're you know coming up on an hour here, I don't want to miss the opportunity. Judson just looked at me and said, "Hey, we can't miss the opportunity to talk about this new nonprofit that you started, um, that you've you've partnered with." Uh, looks like Z-Man, and you've partnered with um, Redfin Charters as well. Can you guys just, you know, real quick, tell us a little bit about that? And like I said, we can jump back into some more fishing stories and, and some more stuff, but that's a, I feel like that's a huge thing that you're doing and don't want to miss that opportunity to tell people about it. Yeah, we're, we're really proud of that. Um, we started a, a, something called the CPR Initiative, which is a, basically a fund, and it stands for Community and Professional Response Initiative. And what it what it is is it's a way for um, the community to donate money to a fund that will be used to enhance our fisheries um, directly, without people taking a cut out of it and you know not having any strings attached. And the idea is that this fund will fund projects that we do. And we, the first one was what we called Project Respect, which was uh, the goal was to raise $25,000 to the South Carolina uh, Department of Natural Resources to um, help their spawning, uh, the Waddell Center, which is uh, a center, it's a part of the DNR that does uh, spawning for restocking fish. And they needed some new spawning tanks. Each tank can do something like, I don't know, some, some million minnows a year um, where they take, um, they have broodstock. Big, so we have a video. We haven't we haven't even shown it yet, but we have a video of these 20-pound trout that they have in these tanks. Wow. And it, what they do is they're there to make eggs, and they skim these eggs off, and then they end up making baby trout, and then they'll... Um, raise them to minnows and then they'll release them um, around South Carolina and so we raised we ended up raising um, like half that money and we were lucky enough to have um, the CCA South Carolina um, join us and and match our our donation yeah uh, so that we could we actually did reach our goal of $25,000 to fund and it ended up we, we thought it was originally going to be just funding a new a one new tank, 
but I think what they're going to do is um, more than that, refurbish like, you know, five tanks and move, move the spawning site down to the Waddell Center, which is in Beaufort. Um, anyway, they, they use it for, for, for very good reasons, and uh, we should have, uh, you know, millions more trout stocked in, around our state as a result of that. That's wow. incredible. Well, yeah. this, this is where the fishermen can kind of dictate where the money goes rather than having to go through a committee and be put in a general fund and then they get 10%. This money goes directly to DNR for this purpose, earmarked, tagged, and that's what they do with it. Yeah, wow. yeah that's so, that's really cool. So, so respec is your first project, so you guys like looking to do several more of those as yeah. needs come up? Is that kind of the idea? That's right. Uh, we, we've had some discussions and we're, we're hoping to do something um, where we send some money toward trying to rejuvenate the striper, uh, rivering striper as we call them. So um, in South Carolina, there's a, uh, a, a huge fishery for striper in the, in the lakes, the reservoirs that, that we use for hydroelectric power here in, in the state. Uh, some of those striper get through the locks and they end up in the rivers. Cooper River in particular, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Ralph, tell them about what it used to be like. Uh, back in the uh, in the late 60s and the 70s, um, striper fishing in the Cooper River, these, these were ocean-going stripers that came in, and uh, it was just unbelievable. I mean, you didn't you didn't have bragging rights unless it was 20, 25 pounds. I mean, you know, that, they wouldn't turn ahead unless you had a fish that size, and I've been out there with my, my, my dad, my uncles, and you know, 15, 20 stripers is common for half a day fishing. You troll bucktails, you could cast a schooling fish. It was just one of the, it was, it was, I'd say on a smaller scale comparable to Chesapeake Bay as far as the quality of the fish. We don't have any of the, the volume, but that the, the fishery was there. And I, I really, really, you know, treasure those days and remember the, the, the trips we had. And we've had some good days now, but a striper now, a 25, 27 inch striper is, is considered a big fish now where that, that, that wouldn't turn a head back in the day. And uh, so what we're doing, Dave and I and, and the, our Daniel and the group that we're working with here, trying to find projects like that and to help that we want our kids and grandkids and uh, everybody in South Carolina to enjoy what we, what particularly what I've had. Remember back in the day in the 60s, 70s, 80s, it was just unbelievable. I, I wish we had known then uh, technology, what we know now as far as preserving the fish and trying to help it, but we're trying to get it where, uh, and we're trying to teach everybody we can to fish so they can teach their kids and just continue the fun that we've had and mm -hmm. just the great recreation that it creates. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's uh, that's really neat that you, you know, in particular to you, Ralph, that you can, you know, be one of the first of three uh, charter boat fishermen in South Carolina area, Charleston area, and then now you're, you know, even all these years later, like giving back to, to what you've you know prospered from for so long. So good, good on you for doing that, and you know appreciate it. And hopefully this will inspire some people even in North Carolina to watch and and to you know come up with some creative ideas to to raise money and, and do some creative projects here. So yeah, um, that that's what I was uh, wanted to kind of touch on is we we have a lot of people that myself included that complains about what our fisheries become here in North Carolina, our saltwater fishing, redfish, trout, and flounder. And, and you know, it's just like, where do I start? How do I get started? What can I do? What can I tangibly do tomorrow or this week or this month or this year to maybe get stocking efforts started here in North Carolina or 
you know, to raise awareness and y'all are doing it down there. What are some tips that you can give some of our friends here in North Carolina um, as far as what can we do to maybe, you know, raise awareness as well as maybe get some stocking program started. So kind of that whole idea. Uh, what, what, what do we need to do to get to where y'all are? You, you need to get, you need to get your, your anglers like you get Dave and I to get, to be aware. And one thing we did, Dave and I talked about a lot after we came back from Louisiana with you was the number of trout it, it we just that we caught just just from casting in a couple of spots that we stopped in there but the size and to get that creel limit down nobody needs 100 fish nobody needs 25 no. fish let let you know keep five fish if you want something to eat i i eat fish we eat, you know we love them we keep enough to eat and we put the rest back to get the creel limits where they're reasonable and i, I don't even know for sure but i think they've stopped most of the gill netting in north carolina now that was a that was a big deal for a long time that the commercial gill netting up there on stripers and, and trout and everything else is that still going on it, it, is. it is still going on yep it is so i would say you know you 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 know the grassroots effort is is important you know you, you get all the anglers on uh, board but you know industry partners is important as well you know we we partnered with z-man redfin charters is one of the bigger um, um charter fishing outfits in this area and um you know z-man is very high profile cca south carolina you know you want to talk about someone that's got some influence in washington and everywhere you know try to make contacts with people that have you know the their hands on the strings in the government definitely, definitely. That, that's how you make a change but you know you you definitely want to do everything you can to change mindsets as well you know we we have a lot of things like one thing i've been telling um, or I've been doing myself and I've, I try to encourage everyone who will listen to do the same is, um, you know, just because you have a law or you don't have an upper slot for trout in South Carolina, we don't have, we've got a lower slot slot of 14 inches. And there's no upper slot. You catch a 23 inch trout, keep as many as you, you know, up to the creel limit, but there's no upper slot. There's no limit to how big, but that doesn't mean that we as anglers can't observe our own upper slot. You know, why not voluntarily say my upper slot's 20 inches? If I catch one over 20, it's going back. I don't care what. It's just like automatically it. going back. There's no reason that, you know, if you can't talk to your friends, they talk to their friends, suddenly you've got 60% of the population that's automatically releasing all their trout over 20 inches. You effectively have an upper slot of 20 inches. Yeah. Why can't you do that? You know, that's something that we're, we, we talked that, about. That we're going to try to make it a little bit more formal in yeah. the future, but, uh, um, you know, why not? Well, yeah. I was talking about it this morning. We sat down. Why the heck not? He came up with an idea we're going to, we're going to make, we, we're really going to go forward with this. And if you, if you, if, if we can get you guys or anybody else to join with us, we'll send you a bumper sticker. Uh, what, what we come up with, Dave, you, you, uh, you, you uh, release, uh, yeah, release, release over 20 so it'd be like an r greater than 20 with a trout you know on a trout background and um you know put it on your sticker and it basically what that is is it's like a it says you pledge to do that you know that i'm on board i'm going to voluntarily release all my trout over 20 inches and it's kind of a way to show show that you're doing it and okay encourage other people to join in um i like that was, i'm in there's uh, some information from like texas recently i was reading where they instituted a, an upper slot for trout, and 
uh, guess what? In like three years, the number of gator, what we call gator trout, you know, big trout, 25 inches and in, in higher, uh, the frequency of catch of those up, went up like 60%. Wow. Mm. So, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot. Just do it. Yeah, man, I, I think that's a great idea, you know, is, is getting people, you know, like you said, like, hey, I'm going to make this commitment. Will you make this commitment with me? Because, um, you know, a lot of times we lean heavy. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, and I, we won't get into it. We don't want to touch too much on political stuff here, but a lot of red tape political stuff to get, you know, laws, especially in North Carolina right now. A lot of the fishing, um, you know, regulations are getting looked at and laws are trying to be passed. And so I think what you guys are saying is, is you know, pretty, pretty mindful because we always, you know, lean heavy on government to fix our problems. But it's like we have control, you know, we control our, our rod, we control our actions and so man that's a great idea and hopefully people watching this and our viewers watching this and we're gonna we're gonna kind of transition uh from the political talk here and get get into answering some facebook questions and interact with the users a little bit more uh but hopefully some of the people are watching this that are really passionate that you know want to go stand on the steps of of the local government and yell at them like hopefully they'll just rally together and start their small groups of, of people that say hey i'm gonna make a commitment to make my you know, make my area better that I'm fishing in and take care of it, man. I think that's cool what you guys are doing. That's really yeah, setting the pace. Cool. So appreciate you doing that. When y'all get those stickers, let me know. I definitely want to get one from you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pretty, pretty soon. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, Justin, you have, do you have the Facebook up over there, man? Maybe we could rip through some of those questions. Yeah, definitely. Let me scroll back up. I had a good one. Um, so here's, the, here's kind of a local question. It's from John Johnson. What is your opinion of the fishing in the Bushy Park area, saltwater side, of course, is what it says. Fishing right now is, is is excellent on the saltwater side, but then we go right back to it. Sorry. No, no, we're good. Sorry, Sorry. I think Justin oh, lost audio there, but you can go ahead. We can hear you. Yeah, fishing on the bushy park side is, is is real good. In fact, Dave and I'll be fishing over this weekend. Uh, the problem is getting into landing there. We have a we have a political battle that we we talked about today. Mm -hmm. The bushy park landing the saltwater side from about a half tide, you can't get in get in and out. It's just so silted in. But the, fish, the fishing up on Bushy Park is it's 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 the time of the year from now till till the fall. Redfish are moving up. Uh, there'll be some trout up there. The flounder are moving up. It's the time of the year to fish that area. It really is. And just just know the tide that you can get in and out that landing or go somewhere else and run up there. Mm -hmm. Bushy Park saltwater is a special place. It's it's brackish water. You literally catch freshwater saltwater species in the same two casts. It's so much fun to fish there. It's a little bit different than people are used to. Um, it's a place where uh, we, uh, I got to talk to you. I got, I got an idea for a potential tournament, but uh, uh, something that I try to do every year and I've rarely accomplished it is uh, you can, in the fall time, you can uh, try to catch something, what I call a, a margarita slam. <laughs> and if you wonder, uh, you say, what's that? Well, it's uh, sweet and salt water, right? Margarita. So, um, I like it. It's a redfish trout flounder, typical slam, and then add a striper and a largemouth bass to that. That's so, a day. That's a good day right if there. If you can do that I, in a single trip, you've done that. Something. That's you've done something. And if you can do it using the same bait, that's like the holy grail. Have you have y'all done that? Uh, I have not done it on the same bait, but I've def I've done that. We, we've I've done, done it, but not the same times, bait. But, I was thinking that maybe I haven't even talked to Ralph about this, but it'd be fun to have to have like a little informal tournament, like maybe during the month of September. 
Yeah. You know, whoever can catch a, a, a margarita slam in the same day will win, win something from a high strike or something. It's just a fun, it's a fun, it's a fun challenge to try. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really cool. While we on the air, let's remind folks of one thing, the bushy park landing. If you draw a line straight out from the bushy park landing to the other side of the river, that is the cross between salt and fresh water. So if you, if you're up there fishing, you've got to have a fresh and a saltwater license because that's where the saltwater, uh, if you crossed past the bushy park landing, you're considered fresh water. And if you're coming up from Charleston or coming in, putting in somewhere else, you, if you're in fresh water, they expect you to have that license after you pass, pass bushy park. Okay. That's the same coming the other way. Well, we've got um, a bunch of people already jumping in here and saying I'm down to, for the release 20. So I think y'all are, y'all are going to get some good traction with that. Awesome. People are commenting. Uh, it's, it's, it seems like a good idea. Um, yeah. Are you get? do you have any new questions? Yeah. So if y'all still have questions, just go ahead and um, just comment here in the, in the comment section of the, the Facebook live feed and we'll get to them, but we're going to jump back into a few of the questions. Yeah. I'll jump, oh. I'll jump into actually a couple questions we missed like, oh, do we, fur- so, further oops. up the, I think this one brings in a little difference. So um, Ryan Miller wants to know this question. Do trout in the summertime move from the upper reaches of the creeks slash rivers and closer to the inter- intercoastal waterways, uh, main rivers and inlets. So he's kind of asking like, where can, I guess, where can he find some trout in the summertime here? Uh, that's a that's a great question. Uh, we know Ryan. He's he's a great guy, a friend of ours. Um, thanks for tuning in, Ryan. Um, yeah, absolutely, thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, in the winter time, trout move way up into the fresh, almost the fresh water, way up the creeks. Um, in the summertime, they tend to move out toward the the coast. Not that you won't find trout everywhere and in between all year long but in general the numbers i think in the winter time especially they're going to move way way up into brackish water um surprisingly high into the brackish water as we've discovered in the past and um you know if you're going to target especially big trout you know we have to target big trout you're definitely going to want to focus more in the harbor front beaches, intercoastal waterway near in the shore, summer. Near shore. Near shore, yeah. Near shore, yeah. Okay. Surf even. And the big thing that happens at that is not just, not just it's the, the water temperature. Uh, you know, I used to have a saying that I wouldn't eat an oyster in a month that didn't have an R in it. Well, a trout is almost the same way. So when that water temperature, I think it was like 84, 85 last time we were out, uh, that trout gets so soft. Till it's 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 not worth the kill for the quality of the food. I love to eat trout. Uh, we, we we keep enough to eat occasionally, whenever we go fishing. But uh, when it's summertime, it's real soft and the, the meat is just not worth just release the fish. But uh, Dave spot on. Uh, go back toward the harbor for for trout early in the morning, late in the afternoon, and 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 fish the, the Castle Pinckney area, the jetties. Okay. Uh, in, in the near shore stuff, tombstones down at McClellanville, things like that. That's where you're gonna find the bigger trout now. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So we've got a guy. We've got a, a, a sorry, <laughs> stumbled over my words there. <laughs> we've got a couple people that have been jumping in and asking. Um, let's see, when to fish a paddle tail versus a jerk shad? So do y'all are y'all switching those out? You know, based upon uh, water conditions and and what fish you're targeting, or is it is it more just the action you want or how the fish are act, reacting to what you're throwing. What do, when do you want to throw a, a jerk shad versus a paddle tail? I'll let you take that one. Okay. Uh, me personally, 
it depends it depends on uh, water clarity if, if i'm fishing gin clear water and as as much as important as to the paddle tail the jerk shad it's the size of the bait in in the early season uh, we we fish we fish the, the the rat tail bait a little short bait and go up in size as the bait goes up, but primarily when I fish a paddle tail versus a streak, it's just water clarity. If I got dingy dirty water, I tend to fish more of the paddle tail. I fish more jerk bait than I do the paddle tail, but I use it on a slow retrieve. Yeah, we go back to a question we had earlier. If I'm targeting a flounder and I'm fishing real slow, I got to get on the bottom and, and and really cover the bottom. I use the paddle tail. But if it's fast moving water and the bait are moving, it's lively and the bite's good, the jerk shad. So I think it really depends on speed of the water, clarity of the water, and what you're targeting. Uh, you want to get some's attention, that paddle tail will do it, uh, but uh, it's, it's got, got to have its time. And I think the dingy water, paddle tail, mm -hmm. uh, clear water, use it, a, a jerk shad and the size. Uh, believe it now we're down there you remember we caught the uh that 44 inch redfish on a three a, a three and three quarter inch uh, rat tail because uh, the elements do eat peanuts so we eat the smaller bait depending <laughs> depending remember that fish we caught justin we trout fishing oh yeah, yeah yeah i do i do that we we had some trout blow up beside us um in louisiana and we'd kind of gotten bumped by some redfish and we're sliding out and we started catching some trout and we're having fun. And I was like, oh man, some guys don't want to catch trout in Louisiana. I'm excited about this. And then all of a sudden Dave hooked into a nice redfish on that tiny little rat tail bait. And it was awesome. We were having a, having a hoot and a holler about that. So talking about, talking about baits and different types of baits, here's another question from Cameron. Um, it says mirror lure or soft plastic. Some people swear by mirror lure, but I, the, but they say they've always had more luck on soft plastics. Um, is that, I mean, have you guys seen a huge difference? I mean, obviously you're much more experienced. So can you talk a little bit about the difference in, in soft plastics versus mirror lures? I think he's definitely talking like subsurface mirror lures, not top water, but yeah, just like if you're, yeah. if you're fishing in the water column. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we, we have a jig head company. It doesn't mean that's all we fish. You know, we, we go out early in the morning and we're throwing top waters. Uh, we'll throw suspending, um, hard baits as well. Um, the thing that I've noticed is that, you know, probably out of the top five biggest trout I've caught, uh, probably three of them have come on suspending jerk baits, hard baits. Um, you'll throw those, you won't catch as many fish, but the ones that you do catch are going to be pretty good quality fish. And, um, you know, jig heads, you're going to catch numbers. Um, eventually, you know, sometimes you'll catch big fish on them, but you're going to catch all different size fish on them. Um, I don't know. I, that's, well, I guess that's what I how I put it. Well, and the, the hard baits. Me personally, with the hard baits, uh, we um, um, I use it during cold weather. When when the when the, the water temperature gets down below 50, uh, the bait that's out there, what baits left in the creek, are very very lethargic. And the plastics I use whenever the bait's active, and I can cast it and move it. I go I go to a, a, a the hard baits. Uh, mirror lures and what are the mirror dyes we fish something that's got that they move slow and there's no activity it drops down that that's that determines when i'm fishing plastic or if i'm fishing hard baits is the water temperature and, and what the bait are doing okay yeah that's a that's some great insight and i'm just going to keep reading a couple questions here on yeah. facebook just so we get to all of them uh, tommy wants to know what z-man bait would you use for reds and trout when you're fishing the same spot 
And what jig as well would uh, you, would yeah, you use jig, for? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, let's talk a little bit about jigs. I'd like to get into that. Yeah. Well, I'll take the first part of that. It depends on the water depth. The jigs that you're fishing depends on the water depth. And Dave and I did a lot of, a lot of work and research and studying trying to find what we considered uh, the, the perfect bait for the Charleston area. And I think we've got a video on that. And we found that the 3 ounce would be probably, and that's what I use 80, 90% of the time now, is the 3 ths You can go to, if you're fishing deeper, go to a quarter, go to a little larger, up to a half, whatever you need. But 3 ths and match the hatch. And I say that if you got if you got glass minnows, if you got glass minnows in the river and and no men hate, no mullet to speak of, what are you gonna fish? I'm gonna fish a little small bait like we did in Louisiana fish to what the what the hatch is eating glass minnows, I'm gonna fish something that's three to three and a half inch long. If they crush in mullet, I'm gonna fish four and a half, five inch baits that'll match that size. Try to you don't have to match the exact color, but match what the, the size of the hatch uh, of what they're they're feeding on. Um, and the the, the, uh, the water clarity determine, it, it determines the uh, the color, light light dark dark. And Dave is uh, is taking that white, the flad shed, and we've caught fish and <laughs> light dark bright, you know, and everything. So white's always a go-to color. Uh, but I, I think it really depends on what what the fish are feeding on, what the natural food is determine what size and how you're going to fish that yeah i would say uh, in my opinion that redfish versus trout a lot of times it's color and it's one of the times when color seems to matter redfish seem to like crustacean brownish colored lures they seem to really you know prefer that trout seem to like more bait fish color Shrimp white color. whites and in uh you know blues and silvers and um you know that 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 seems to be the difference. I think if I if I'm targeting if I'm trying to target redfish, I'm going to use like a, you know, the perfect perch color from Z-Man or Houdini or something that's like a brown. Well, like we said, um, they matches the hatch. Yeah, it what, matches the hatch. If you want to if you want to what what they're eating, cut. If you keep a fish, cut the bellies open. If they're feeding on crabs and crawfish or or, or fiddlers, then use use the browns and the blacks and the darks down at the bottom. Fish it slow. Right. That's what they're feeding on. As a trout are feeding on shrimp, you want to fish something that's sparkly silver like a shrimp or pink, and it's got a little glitter to it. Yeah, if you if you read the DNR book for trout, you know the the larger trout, their their primary forage is bait fish. So you're gonna to want to fish, uh, you know the the grays, silvers, whites, the bait fish colors. That's perfect. One thing that I wanted to talk about, and I was just when I was thinking about and writing down some questions to t- to ask y'all on this show. Um, I remember when we were running back into Louisiana down the down the ditch. We were almost back to the boat ramp. Y- y'all were pointing at each other and or pointing at the bank and saying that is what we designed the uh, the Texas side for. It was all yeah. these trees laid down in the canal and whatnot. So I really wanted to dive in because that seemed like a, a, a jig that y'all are both really passionate about. Kind of how that design came about, where y'all like to fish the Texas side. Um, and I know you, I think you had a Texas eye, Ralph. If you want to show everybody when you're talking about, yeah. It. We- yeah, we, we got one here, and this is this is something that, that, that Dave and I are very proud of. Uh, it is a oops, it, 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 down we got, we got oh, yeah, down down just a little and pull it back to you. Just a little lower, a little lower, a little lower, right there. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is something we came up with. Uh, it, it came from the old bass fishing days. Everybody knows what a Texas rig is. You put a you put a slip slinker on the hook, and uh, and and you, you 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 some people put a toothpick in and break it off so you don't. That's called a Texas rig. So Dave and I came up with this the Texas eye 
you can fish it weedless. We got the one barb on it, and uh, Dave's going to hold that back up there. Yeah. The, the bait is it's a completely weedless jig, and we added our version of it with the, with a wobble head. There's some other wobble head stuff out there, but this is what we came up with. It, it look it looks you fish it just like you do a regular Texas rig for bass. It's weedless, got one barb on it. But you get the, you get the added effect of that wobble head when you pull it, and you get the current moving it, mm -hmm. and and we call it a Texas eye because that's what just what we came up with because this rig just like a Texas rig for largemouth, and we've been very successful uh, with the, with the largemouth largemouth bass fishermen that have tried this, and we've won a couple of tournaments. We got we got a young man that's our our, our sponsor in that or mm -hmm. helps us with it and promotes our product, and he's done very very well with it. So we we excited about the potential, but now we've caught flounder redfish trout uh bluefish most anything you can name on this because it's all this fishing that we do is just like large throw in the structure you can fish this in a treetop you can fish it in a bush you can fish it in grass finesse it through and you'll come out there it is weedless but but you don't have to worry about a, a guard on it or a tripping a guard this sort of thing it's just like a texas eye bass fishing a rig that you set up you can drag it through most anything as long as you finesse it yeah, so you can be pretty yeah. rough on that. I mean, like you're saying, to throw that into a lot of coverage and, and pull. That's awesome, man. That's a that's a yeah. sharp looking design there, Dave. In my in my opinion, this is this is our best product, and and there's no comparison. My if you look at my tackle box right now, it's it's full of these, three sixteen South Texas eyes, and just like for what Ralph said, it's like it's like it's mostly weedless. It's got great action. It doesn't miss even the slightest bite. I mean, what more could you want? And you know, we're we're always just trying to find different ways to present this eye in different ways: weedless, non-weedless, different hook sizes. And um, and this to me is like the ultimate. Why would you want anything but that? Dave, show them how if it stands up when you oh, yeah. the bottom. So, Z-Man product. Yeah, Z-Man Elastec is is buoyant. If oh, you that's didn't what know I was about that. to say. Um, it's um, let me uh, detach it here. If you don't know Z-Man, it's Elastec material is um, very very stretchy. Yeah, that's cool. right. It doesn't break, and that means toothy saltwater fish are not going to bite it in half. And that for that reason, as long as you don't break it off, you can catch a hundred fish on it without any trouble. And um, it's a uh, you know it's just because and it's it's also very supple. So if you notice, it's just uh, a lot of easy movement. It's got a lot of action when it swims. It's lifelike. And I, I think that's one of the most underrated things. People don't talk about Z-Man being a supple. And that's, it's like twice as flexible as anything else on the market. So it looks very, very lifelike when it's swimming. And that, that's why I like it so much. Show me the part when the tail stands up and the oh, car yeah, yeah. gives this a great part. So it's, um, the other thing about it is it's very, very buoyant. So if you were to dead stick this on the bottom, because of the pivot head, it's going to float straight up. Oh, wow. And just do this in the current. Yeah, create you know, a lot of action. Wow. You've read up on bass fishing. There's a, there's a uh, something called a Ned rig, which is really really popular, and that's basically it, it's kind of like just a, a straight piece of um, material that's floating like this, and it looks like a worm or who, yeah. that, I don't think anyone knows what it looks like, but the fact is it catches tons of fish. 
Um, and so and, you think out of all the products that you have, are you, you're saying that's your personal favorite? You got to fool your tackle box? It's my personal favorite. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so everybody that's listening, don't jump off the broadcast, but make sure you go to <laughs> iStrikeFishing.com and load up on those things. I, that's the first time I've seen it, man. I don't know how I've not seen that. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, interesting. So, I, of course, I have my go-to. You know, I go I go to the store. I know what I'm getting. I grab it. and then. But seeing this, hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, of course, I'm not – I'm not Judson. I'm not on the water every single day, so um, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people watching have seen it and know what it is uh, and like it. So speaking of that eye, uh, you know, first of all, just amazing design, awesome design. Uh, but March here says, what color eye to use for different water depths versus natural light from the sky? So is there different color eyes at different depths that we should be looking for when we're using eye strike products? So. Um yeah, a great question. Probably a lot of people don't know. I'm a, I'm actually an optical engineer, so I study light. That's that's awesome. that's my that's day perfect. job. So I have a little bit different opinion than a lot of people. And if you hear about most fishermen say, when it's dark, fish a dark lure. When it's light, fish a light lure. And I sort of understand that, but to me, as an optical engineer, I'm all about contrast. I want fish to see what you know i want them to to see what what the lure I, I want them to see from a distance what's passing by them so i want a light lure when there's dark conditions because of contrast which is very it's like 180 degrees opposite from what the the general uh, opinion is it is i'll fish a pearl white uh lure in that's what we call a flag shad because I've used it so much and had great success with it. But I use it all the time because it's got the best contrast in the, in the water. And, uh, you know, probably a lot of people say, nah, that's wrong. But I, that's what I, I just can't, you know, as a scientist, as an optical scientist, that's what I wrap my, my, my head around. So um, uh, what was the original question? About the, the color for different depths. Oh, yeah, color for different depths. So. Uh, also, other interesting thing is I've I've read some research from uh, actually I think it was North Carolina, where they said most inshore saltwater fish do not even see the color red, and I have I have the the uh, spectrums from what the their retinas will see um, for flounder, trout, redfish. They don't even see red. So you know you know red. Everyone every fisherman wants a red, this or that on their lure. Because it looks like blood or whatever like that. Sorry, but uh, fish aren't going to see color red. <laughs> Just same as a deer does not see safety orange vests. They see like a gray. Um, when you have a red lure, they're not going to see red. They're going to see like a gray color. So I don't, you look at my tackle box, I don't have red. I don't ever use red. Even our own red eyes, I don't use them. Not to say they don't work. We have a, a good friend who won $60,000 in the Redfish Cup using nothing but red, no red trout eye jig. So red oh, wow. red works, but they're not seeing that red. They're seeing the eye. Yeah. So people come in all the time and they say, well, what color eye? And we always say, well, it's the it's the eye that matters, the color secondary. Um, and I always tell them when the water's murky, you want something with higher contrast. So we'll point them toward the glow, which is basically black and white. Or the chartreuse, which is uh, you know bright yellow versus white. Or in the bright sun, we'll do the yeah. If we, and 
you want to yeah. show them that color? Yeah, and this is this example. I don't know if you can see it, but it's a chrome. Okay. Yeah. Basically, it's like a mirror. It's a mirror bright, bright days, you get reflection with that. Um, and that's what we just hire the reflectant. That's um, the color I use a lot of times sight fishing yeah. in shallow water. Yeah. So um, clear water, we're we're pointing them towards the gold and the pearl. When it's murky, we're going towards chartreuse and glow. And it's just so that a fish can see that they can identify that eye. You know, you're a fish. You're in the water. It's murky. You can't see much. You see something go across your field of view. How do you tell if that's something to eat or it's something to be afraid of? And the eye is what we think seals the deal, whether that's food or not. And if they can see that eye six inches further away than, they, uh, than another color, then that's what we want people to use. Most certainly. Well, uh, we're kind of, I just realized we've been on for an hour and a half already. Time flies when you're doing this. but. Um, we wanted to give y'all a chance. If y'all have anything else, um, Dave and Ralph, that y'all wanted to touch on and talk about, I know we had, we had y'all had sent over some things that we can jump into that real quick, and then we're going to kind of close the show down. Y'all shared a lot of great information. And, yeah, just um, a lot of great stuff, man. Uh, one other question I wanted to ask real quick, though, is tell me about the new sheepset jig real quick. Oh, that, yeah. That, that yeah, is the jailbait, yeah. The jailbait reef jig. Sure. So um, the jailbait – jig is it it's sort of like it came it came to me just as you know you, you hear about people sheephead fishing i've done it myself the complaints are always that it's hard to hook the fiddler on a on a hook it's hard to feel the bite you know the 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 idea is that you have to set the hook before the fish bites you know that, that gives people an idea how hard it is to feel the bite of a, of a sheephead um so how do you improve that? So that's where the, the inspiration for the gel bait came from. And the gel bait is, I have an example here. If I can show it. It's basically a double hook attached to a piece of lead. Sorry if I'm not getting this right. Oh, yeah, we can see um, there. You're, yeah, you're that's good. perfect. It's a double hook attached to a piece of lead. It's got... A large eye on it. It's it's not really functional, but the the key is this rubber band on it. And the idea is that you'll take a fiddler crab and you'll pinch him. I'm going to use my finger as an example of a fiddler crab. You pinch it pinch it against the back, and you use this rubber band, and you pull it over the hooks, and you'll strap that fiddler crab to the back of the lead and he's right above those double hooks and the idea is that you're directly connected to that jig to the weight you know w with your line it's not it's not like a carolina carolina rig where you have a weight and then a hook below it so that when that when that um, fish bites it you're not going to necessarily feel it uh, when he bites this one you're going to feel it directly and when he bites it those double hooks are right underneath the bait so that when you set the hook, it's going to go right up into the lip. So that and um, you're, you're fishing live bait. That fiddler's down there. He's swimming. His legs are moving. His arms, you don't have to penetrate the, the fiddler with the, you strap him in like kind of like a backpack or a baby harness. And he's down on the bottom of that lead and he's, he's live bait. You're fishing live bait without killing it on that, on this rig. Yeah. If you don't get bit in, in 30 minutes, when you pull that, 
crab back up, he's still he's still moving. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah, because you you push through the shell with a hook, and they're gonna die pretty quickly. Yep. Yep. Well, was there anything else that y'all wanted to touch on tonight um, on your end that that you feel like we weren't able to to to, to cover? Yeah. Um, I you know so the relationship we have with Z-Man probably it's a lot of people have a lot of that that question. Um, if you buy our products through Z-Man, which we highly encourage you to do, we have a distribution agreement with Z-Man. So if you go to your local tackle shop and buy a trout eye jig with a blue label that's a Z-Man label, it's the same product as you'll buy from us. And, and um, you know, we'll, we will get a small royalty from that sale. And uh, we're, we highly encourage people to, to do that. We're very proud to be partners with Z-Man. Um, we also, I just want people to know, we have an online store. That's our that's our main form of business. Uh, people from all around the country will buy from us on a regular basis. And we have uh, big discounts if you buy in bulk. We've reserved the right to be the only place in the world that you can buy our jigs in bulk quantities, up 50, 100, wow. whatever you want. And um, if you buy more than 50, you'll save 40%, uh, up to 40%, depending on the product line. Um, by doing so, it just saves it saves on packaging costs and um, and whatnot, and just you know direct to, direct to consumer, you cut out you know a lot of cost. So um, you know if you if you like to buy if you like our jigs, you want to buy a lot, just you know go to iStrikeFishing.com and order directly from us, and uh, and we'll hook you up. We uh, we have we always ship like. We, we keep everything in stock, so we'll, we'll send it out the same day or next day, depending on when you order. And uh, $50 or more gets free shipping. So, you know, you'll have it in your doorstep in two to three days, depending on how far away you are from us. Well, man, that's, that's awesome, and that's super generous of you guys to, to you know, share that with our viewers. I know, I know when you told me that originally on our, kind of our pre-call that I was like, man, that's a really generous offer and uh you know for people to be able to go buy bulk especially for guides i, I feel like that's a, a huge you know someone just asked in the comments if you guys have a guide program uh which i don't i mean a 40 percent discount i don't know if you need one but <laughs> that's pretty generous. yeah so, uh, so yeah and i answer that question probably three times a week at least um i'll say you have a guide program do you have a pro staff and i say well do you know what if you're on a pro staff for some, you know, company X, what what do you get for it? And the, you know, usually you'll get the, you know, to say you're on the pro staff, but then you get 15% off their product. Well, yeah. you know, you can go any any given day and get 40% off our product. And for that reason, you know, in hindsight, I don't know if that was the best approach, but that's where we're at. Yeah. But, um, you know, um. We can't really afford to also have a pro staff because we wouldn't make any profit. <laughs> so yeah, hey, from from one business owner to another, man, we totally all. I mean, everybody on this podcast right now or the show, we we understand that that if there's no profit margin, there's no business. And um, so yeah, man, I appreciate you sharing that. And if you guys have any other thoughts, we'd love to hear it. We for everybody viewing, don't hop off yet. We're gonna give away um, that ice strike package man and i'll bring that up real quick just so you know because if you haven't commented you gotta at least say hello to us to to be entered to win uh to that this ice strike package we're gonna give away here in just a couple of minutes uh so guys if there's any you know anything else that you want to share um or anything like that or we can we can go ahead and get well, that package away 
I'd like to share one thing with you. I get asked this question a lot, and uh, Dave's heard this story, and we I think we published it one time. But uh, if you're out in the river and, you're in, and learning new areas, it's real important to, to keep your bearing, know where you're at. If you ever get too far out and you get lost in a creek or you get lost in a, in a, in a river or something, you follow the crab traps. If you look at the crab traps, you see them floating, and you follow them, you see which way the tide's going, stay one crab trap after the other that'll lead you back out to the main river and 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 out the way you you'll be you, you'll be safe and can help you if you get lost same thing in in this part of the country probably down where you guys are in wilmington and florida down here you get lost out in the woods find you a possum and you get right behind that possum and you follow it you walk real slow and you walk right behind him Cause within 24 hours he's gonna find a highway to get run over in, and you know where you're at. <laughs> it, took, oh, it took years. It took years for me to learn that, but I wanted to share that with y'all. You you follow the crab traps, then you follow possum. You can't get lost. I love it. I love it. Um, we just had a guy say that he ordered seven packs of jail baits, so uh, I'm excited for him to get those and and test them out and see see uh, how how great they are for catching sheepshead. Um, so you want to, you want to take it away here, Billy? Yeah. Yeah. I'll get us closed down. First of all, let me just bring up a multi-cam here again. Uh, really appreciate you guys coming on from iStrike. Uh, once again, well, first of all, appreciate you believing in us here at Eastern Current and supporting our, our, fir our first show, coming on our third show, uh, trusting us with your reputation trusting us to half know what kind of questions and <laughs> how to lead a podcast and ask you so. I appreciate that, man. Appreciate all the hard work you guys are doing. Great stuff for the community, uh, Judson. You know, obviously, you guys were that was the connection here to Eastern Current. So, um, just thank you so much for for coming on, and we'd love to have you again. Uh, I know some people were asking some sheep's head questions, and I didn't even ask them because I'm like, that's probably a whole nother episode that we yeah. can really jump into. Um, but thank you guys once again for for being a part of the show. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for you. having us. We appreciate it. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and dive right in here and just give away this. Um, and I've already picked a, a random winner. Um, so the random winner of this package, I'm going to bring it up again just so everybody can see. And there's that gel bait package right there. Uh, it's going to be Sam Matthews. So, Sam, if you're still on, just uh, shoot us your information. We'll have the have Dave send out that package right to you. Is that how you're going to do it, Dave? You're going to send that right out. Is that right? Perfect. That sounds good. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, and Judd, unless you have anything else, man, I think it's been a, just an excellent show. And It's been an incredible it, show. Enjoyed. I saw one more comment I just wanted to target real quick. And yeah, it was, can it. we stop by their shop and buy their products? You definitely can. It's iStrikeFishing.com, um, and, and you can pick up all their products in there, like they were saying, in bulk up, up to 40% off. Now, so. if somebody's in your area, do you guys have, like, a little shop or pro shop or something they can come and – come and talk and hang out and grab some stuff from you absolutely we're at 7341 Peppermill parkway if they'll text us or let us know where they're at we'll give them directions uh we can we can we'll have a map up on our site uh directions from inter, interstate 26 and glad to have you come by it's nothing fancy but it, you come in there we, we guarantee you'll leave your catch fish yeah come in uh we have you can google us as well we're open uh, 8 30 to 12 daily and uh, come in, get a get your personal fishing seminar. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. love it. That sounds good. Well, hey, guys, if you're watching the broadcast, I'm just going to jump over to my main camera here. First of all, thank you guys so much for joining us on the third episode, man. Judson, just amazing uh, 
amazing episode. Such such a such a good episode. I learned so much from from these guys. Um, so next week we have Ryan White from Hatteras Jack up in the Outer Banks. We're going to be talking about surf fishing, so make sure you mark it on your calendar to join us uh, for that surf fishing event as well. And as far as iStrike guys, go to their .com or you know right here. I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to pull up their their feed again so you can see their face. So yeah, Dave Flat here, Ralph Phillips, iStrike Fishing. So at iStrike Fishing, they're on Instagram, they're on uh, YouTube, they got their website facebook there's a ton of ways to get in touch with them so go support those guys if you've gotten value from this show tonight um you know judson's always telling me like hey you're like the salesman of the show so you push everything <laughs> so i love sales so man go 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 to their website and buy that bulk get that 40 percent discount and support these guys and uh once again judson thanks again man for having me uh here at the studio slash your house <laughs> awesome show looking forward to next week with ryan white and doing some surf fishing for sure man it's been super fun we are loving this we're uh, learning how to work together and 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 bring this show together <laughs> and <laughs> We're, we're just uh, really excited about where it's going to go. And if you all have any show ideas or things you all want to see on the show, please shoot us a DM on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, we're, we're doing this because we want it to be interactive with our viewers. And so um, we're looking forward to next week um, and hope you all can tune in. We really loved having the Ice Strike Fishing guys here. But, yeah, this is this is me and Billy tuning That's out this it. week. That's it. And uh, we will see you all soon. Thank you guys for coming and, and uh, sharing your knowledge, uh, Dave and Ralph. Episode three is over, guys. See ya. All right. Have a great night. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Mm.